0: back to the second hour of love babs love talk on babs ivy Woo! i'm delighted i've got an actual fisk person in the house today hey will spivy <laughs> unmute yourself and let's get into it <laughs> so you need you need to you need the babies there you need the babies there to do do the technology work
1: good morning good morning babs how are you okay go ahead all Ivy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I knew, I knew it was coming. It was. <laughs> I knew it was coming. How's it going? Good morning. You all right? Everything is good? I'm doing
1: good. Very good. Thank you.
0: Listen, I got the books yesterday.
1: Fantastic.
0: Nice. Nice, 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 nice. All right. So let me tell people a little bit about you. Because it's on the back of the book. So so William Spivy hails from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and is a graduate of Fisk University. he's the proud father of three adult children and nine grandchildren all girls hashtag girl granddad we love that uh he and his wife carol the very beautiful carol uh reside in palm coast florida i have no no idea where that is but it's in florida which a i e jurassic park so (laughs) so his other works include estranged americans fallacies of freedom citizenship and racism along with uh, a contributing chapter in the anthology field notes on allyship achieving equality together so strong beginnings is the first uh of a trilogy and keep both eyes out for the next installment zane's chilling uh coming out in 2024 and you can follow him at william spivy uh williamfspivy.com and on medium uh, williamsbivy.medium.com. Hey, hey, hey! All right, so let's 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 talk about uh, estranged Americans, uh, fallacies of freedom, citizenship, and racism. So, t- talk to me about um, uh, why you felt compelled to write this book and what is it about? Because I I haven't had a chance to read it. I just kind of glanced through. I imagine it is um, uh, about the history of racism in this country and and uh, the notions of freedom and citizenship and how racism ties it all together in a (laughs) bow.
1: It's a collection of 26 essays and they were written over a period of time. And uh, the ones I selected are evergreen and not tied to a particular moment in time, like some of the political stuff I write. And if I can go through some of the table of contents, it'll give you an idea of what the book is about. Mm -hmm. Uh, The souls of white folk, who is white (laughs) in America and why. Ah. Ventrum, which is the rule that perpetrated slavery and legalized rape. The American middle-class is only meant for white people. Does anyone think Thomas Jefferson was stupid? The chronic underfunding of HBCUs, the would-be master and won't be slaves, and that's about uh, uh, what was going on in, in Nashville with uh, Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, um, when the Tennessee legislature uh, tried to remove them from the uh, Tennessee House of Representatives, the leading white men of Edgefield, which is more historical in nature, and Jim Crow is economic impression and, and uh domestic terrorism. So that gives you an idea of some of the types of topics that I address. And they're for the most part opinion pieces, some of it's straight history with uh, interpretation that you won't find in a Florida school book.
0: Mm. So you, you, I, if I if I remember this correctly, you started writing about these things long before. They started having these ridiculous conversations around critical race theory and the banning of information and in books and the telling of of uh, of American history through the eyes of blackness and black history. So, what what is the catalyst for you for for doing this work? Because this is not easy work.
1: I initially started on, I guess it was Facebook, and just writing whatever was on my mind, responding to the events of the day. And I got into history a little bit, but it really started for me, the, I guess it was a single moment. I attended a funeral one of my Fisk classmates, and there was another fist guy there, a uh, guy named Malcolm Cunningham. He's an attorney in uh, West Palm Beach. And he said, I've been reading your stuff. I like it. He said, there's a book you need to read. And it was The Devil in, Devil in the Grove, uh, which was about the Groveland boys, the Groveland four, about four uh, young black men that were accused unjustly of rape. Uh, One of them was shot 100 times or so while he was being captured. Uh, The sheriff there ultimately uh, shot and killed one of them while transporting them back for a second trial. It involves Thurgood Marshall as a young lawyer long before he got to the Supreme Court. Uh, It involves uh, the NAACP and a lot of stuff. And there's so much history and what shocked me was all this was taking place 30 miles from where I lived in Grove. I lived in Orlando at the time and, and in Groveland, Florida. And I was hearing and had heard nothing about it. So there was so much history everywhere. I also lived 10 miles at a time from Ocoee, Florida, where in 1920, there was a big massacre there uh, after two men tried to vote. And basically, they either shot and killed or burned out every Black person in the town In Okoue, Florida, had no black citizens for over forty years, and that was ten miles from where I lived. Wow! I started. So, when you you
0: find out this information, Bill, look, you you feel compelled to do something about it. Like you feel compelled to what? Dig deeper, um, research, find out if it's true, find out how much of it is true. Like, what? What is the? Talk to me about what drives you to do this. I mean, beyond. You, you went to a funeral, you met, you caught up with a fist person. That's one story. You've got a whole book of essays of of these little known hist- historical facts. You know,
1: seems like all the research leads to something else. And you okay. uncover more things as you go. And the beautiful thing about it is uh, you start to get context. And you understand that this thing relates to that thing. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, well, it won't disappoint you because you know me because you'll you'll understand this, but when I went to Fisk, I was a basketball player. I wasn't a poet like you would wanted me to be. And (laughs) there was so much that was around me that I had no idea about. Uh, I would cut through the administration building and I would not know and didn't know till 20 years later that Aaron Douglas had painted some murals called God's trombones on the second floor. And they were there for all to see. Aaron Douglas was on the faculty at Fisk when I was there and I had no idea. I had been to uh Kelly Miller Smith's church and uh it didn't mean anything to me. And, and only later did I realize he was one of the freedom writers and involved in that movement. And there was so much history right around me that, you know, besides the stuff you couldn't help but know about, like the Jubilee Singers, that I wasn't aware of and just had no concept of until I started, you know, really looking into these things. Uh the Fisk Library has a Bible, one of the three uh Slave Bibles, known where they took out some of the stuff you didn't want them—they didn't want slaves to read Mm -hmm. about—about revolution. Uh, So Fisk has one of the three Bibles in the world in the library where I spent a lot of time reading the newspaper to see if my name was in the paper from playing basketball. So (laughs) uh, I had all that available to me and missed it. So now it's my obligation to go back and fill in the blanks.
0: Mm. Okay, so I I appreciate the obligation part. Okay. So you, so you've got this book of, of essays and and I imagine this is not going to be the last book of essays because the, the more that you go down these rabbit holes of information, the more there is to talk about, uh, about this, bringing this history to, to the, to the light. And, you know, it's not lost on me, Bill, that you live in Florida, which is, you know, leading the charge with, you know, dismantling black history and, 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 and history as we know it uh, to students and to anybody who was interested in history.
1: Yeah, as you know, uh, Florida initially declined to accept the uh, advanced placement black history course uh, because Ron DeSantis, our governor, didn't like what was in it. And you know, I've had a chance to go really get into that. And it is true when he says that Florida has a comprehensive take on black history. They cover a whole lot of different subjects. But their take on history is so wrong uh, that I felt compelled compelled to write about it. And I wrote a letter to the editor that was published in the Orlando Sentinel. Uh, But basically, uh, several times, Florida, in their history guidelines, they say that the increase in the the well-known and well-documented increase in the number of enslaved people uh, during uh, America's history uh, was due to natural reproduction, they call it. A lot of historians call it natural increase. And what they don't say, that the cause of that was really force breeding and rape. And those are words you will not find in a Florida history book. And also, the Florida history book will tell you about any abolitionists they could find, any white abolitionists they could find, and tell you about all the intent of white people to do better. And they'll tell you <laughs> about Lincoln's intent. They'll tell you about everybody else. And nobody <laughs> will say it like Patrick Henry said it, but he said he can't believe that he was so lazy that he couldn't do anything about it except accept the value of his slaves that uh and that the christians accepted it and it's just it's crazy so you will not get an honest view about uh black history in florida although they cover a lot of subjects
0: Hmm. okay i appreciate that and thank you for doing that because i think we i think we are so under siege and i think that everyday, ordinary people have to sort of be about the business of doing what you're doing is to seek out this information and then elevating it on whatever platforms that they have at their disposal. Otherwise, I think this history, this rich history will be lost.
1: Yeah, um, and I've got grandchildren of five of which are, are pretty local to me and uh, they're an hour away. So I see them quite regularly and they're now getting to the point where you know the oldest of that group are now 10 and 11. And uh, one just turned 12. And, you know, I asked them, what are you learning about history? And they tell me. And they said, we, le- we learned about Ruby Bridges. I said, okay. Well, what did you learn about Ruby Bridges? And uh, my uh, my favorite, I can't say that. <laughs> one of them. <laughs> uh, all the others will just have to forgive me. But okay, one of them said you're gonna have to you're gonna get, have to up that
0: uh, uh, that Christmas list now
1: <laughs> <laughs> My favorite for this type of conversation, uh, she told me that Ruby Bridges was uh bullied and that she was uh uh aware that she had to go to classes by herself and that you know people were yelling and screaming at her and things like that. I said, "Oh, did you learn that in school?" He said, "No, I saw a movie on Disney Plus." I said, did they teach you about it in school? I said, she said, no. And uh, I talked to the others um, and none of them really had any concept of what she went through. And even if you look through the publicly available information, you can see, and there's a famous Norman Rockwell painting, yes. uh, Ruby walking with a couple of marshals. Uh, and you, that's all you see in the background. You never see the crowd like you might see from Little Rock Central yelling and screaming and hurling insults and calling her you know, n- names and like uh, it's, it's already, the, the tale has been whitewashed. And so, you know that, you know, she was the first black child to integrate a school in New Orleans and yeah, that's a good thing, but you don't hear about any of the bad things associated with it.
0: That's true. And she's very much still alive. Like she's, you know, she's in my age
1: cohort, right? Like she's relatively <clears throat> yeah, and young Yeah, she's a civil rights activist. She's, she's written a few uh, graphic novels and children's books uh, describing her experience. And uh, I've given a thought to uh, collaborating with my grandchildren and writing a book about their interests and what they want to know about Black history. But I'm working on toning it down so it's still age-appropriate because I haven't <laughs> done age-appropriate as of yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that you know what? That might be fun. I mean, I think you could learn a lot when you, when you try to explain history to children. Uh, but I think it's a necessary act because if, if they don't get it, if our children don't get it from us, where are they going to get it from? You know, so now, this is what I, I love, love is
1: that they ask great questions. Mm-hmm. And when they ask a question, I feel that opens the door for me to say whatever the answer is. <laughs> uh, but if they don't ask, the, I'm not trying to impose on them and start, you know, telling them about, you know, from, some of the things I could talk about.
0: I, I I get that. Okay, so so this book is out. People can buy it. People can get it. People should get it. They should read it It's well done. I can't wait to pour over it, pour over it. Uh, thank you for signing it. I appreciate that. Now we move on to the next book, which I think I know a little something about. <laughs> <laughs> Strong Beginnings, which I I love the way this looks. Like I love this, this cover. So talk about this story and it has uh, historical overtures in it as well. Uh, but talk about this story. and And I mean, this is a work of fiction uh, historical fiction which which seems to be all the rage right now like my sister friend Victoria uh Christopher Murray has a historical uh book out uh with a co-author on uh on uh um uh uh Roosevelt uh the woman that was friends with uh was the the uh the the librarian for uh uh one of the richest uh land Barons in the country at that particular time uh, the, I think it's the Vanderbilts um and then she has another book, another historical book, fiction book out. So um, there's a couple of folks who are who are writing uh, fiction, nonfiction with uh, uh, historical reference to it. Talk about this. Talk about the strong, the strong uh, beginnings. Because the, na- the, the name of the family is called
1: Strong. That's correct. Okay. And uh, the inspiration came from it initially. Uh, I have a friend uh, from the Strong family. Uh, that mentioned her grandfather was lynched. And, you know, that really got me thinking, how do you even deal with that? And the truth is that she didn't know a whole lot about the circumstances. And uh, you got to feel like that's a thing that's going to affect your family. And also I'm thinking that, you know, every black person that's been in America for a few generations is not too many degrees away from somebody that's been lynched. Um, so, you know, I started working from that story um, without having any real information about it. But there was also another lynching that took place nearby, a real lynching called the Moore's Ford Bridge lynchings, uh, mm-hmm. where four, two couples were killed and, and shot on a bridge uh, over 100 times each. Uh, and uh, in my story, without giving away too much, uh, the grandfather of the person that I know witnessed the Moore's Ford Bridge lynchings. And was seen by a boy who later revealed that he saw him there. Uh, the grandfather was killed, and the family had to leave town and uh, you know, and get away. But then fifty years later, uh, it all comes back, and they end up going back to Covington, Georgia, to resolve that uh, that matter.
0: So how do you <laughs> now, this there's love stories in this thing, right? Like, there's, there's, it's not all, it's not, it's not dreary. It's, <clears throat> it's a story of a family and their ups and downs, and they've got love interests and challenges and tension. So how do you, how do you incorporate that into a story with such heavy historical
1: uh, over overviews? Well, uh, several years ago, when you pointed me to to Nano Raimo, uh, <laughs> I understood that there were plotters in pantsers uh, people that write by the seat of their pants, and I'm one of those. <laughs> so you know, I start with a concept, and then I write, and it goes uh, wherever it goes. And I think I probably got my literary background from comic books. <laughs> that I grew up reading comic books, and in comic books, you go from you have to really keep track of the plot because from issue to issue, from whatever you have to uh, really you know keep track of the characters and the different and merge all the stories together. So it seems like that part came naturally to me to merging together a bunch of storylines and having it come out. And fortunately it came out to be about 70 some thousand words at the end and the perfect length for a novel for that genre. Um, but, uh, I based it, you know, when you, when you write, you write about what, you know, in some sense. And because I had a family to work with where I knew, you know, the parents, the children and, you know how they interacted together and stuff like that it, was, it wasn't that hard to because I wasn't starting from scratch mm-hmm. um, so I was able to take those characters and give them each you know an individuality where they're able to where you know they're distinct people as opposed to just filler mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: so so I mean the lead character is is, is a woman uh, uh well I mean she she's in the middle of this this it's this love triangle. I I if I recall correctly, and uh, how do you how do you write from a from that from that voice? What what inspired you to write from that voice?
1: Well, how do you capture women? How do you do that? At first, I based it on a uh, real actually people in this case because there was two women that I merged to create this character. Uh, one of them is a friend of yours, Kelly Wickham Hurst, mm-hmm. um, who I basically borrowed her career. Uh, as an assistant principal at that time, who went on to become and do greater things. And then uh, also uh, Patrice Strong, uh, who I went to school with and was a good friend with and and still am a good friend with after all this time. Um, So I was able to to take those qualities and merge them. And then as the book went on and she met different people, uh, she was in a relationship when it started. Then she broke up with that uh, gentleman who didn't appreciate what he had and then you know single for the first time in several years uh, she was getting uh, the attention of two different men and she eventually chose she wasn't sleeping around (laughs) but uh she did choose uh uh eventually she had to make a choice and one of those would have turned out to have been a pretty bad choice oh and so so how do you how do you keep up with the tension like did
0: did you read other books? Are you a romance reader? Are you a are you a a a black women reader, uh, author reader? Like like how do you how do you how do you write books of uh, fiction uh, that can satisfy uh, uh, the strong fiction readers out there who like historical uh, romance
1: and drama and intrigue? Well, I'm, I'm waiting for the reviews to come in, so the jury's out as <laughs> to whether they're satisfied or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, but how, I mean, but you, know, you you must you must have some 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 inkling of of this because you wrote this. This is your this is your baby, and and you and you've taken a great deal of care with this. Um, uh, were you nervous about this? Did you feel like, oh, I don't know if I could do this, or like, what was the the what propelled you? What kept you going in terms of
1: finishing this? Um, I found that finishing it was not that hard. I was always a voracious reader, even in like second grade, where, you know, those were days where you could walk to the, a kid could walk to the library and and get a book and bring it home and go back and feel safe. Um, But, uh, you know, when I got to Fisk, you know, I I took, I met an instructor called Dr. L.M. Collins. Who was an amazing inspiration, and he taught a Harlem Renaissance class. He taught, you know, several different English classes, and I wasn't an English major, um, but I took every class that he offered, and I get inspired by reading a lot of, uh, you know, besides Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston, you know, County Cullen, and some of the people that you might not uh, be so aware of. And I always read, and I, you know, after college. Uh, was right around the Watergate area, and I read everything political, everything associated with Watergate and all the different uh, biographies and autobiographies, and kept on reading. I was in Book of the Month club. So reading was always something that came naturally natural to me. Mm-hmm. Writing, uh, you know, besides what I started writing my little essays on uh, Facebook, I ran into this this woman that believed in magic. <laughs> <laughs> and she was quite an inspiration to me. and, we would go over some of the stuff that I was writing and I would read it to her. She'd make me read it to her. I didn't, I wasn't really comfortable reading it to her, but I'd read it out loud. And then she would invite me or encourage me to consider a different point of view, which was her way of telling me, this is what you need to do is just stop being an idiot. (laughs) So uh, my, a lot of my growth came through that process. And uh, I'd like to thank you Babs (laughs) Rawls Ivy for your help in, in, helping me to be a writer, pushing me to do things like nano more, pushing me to enter contests, pushing me to write, 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 and then how to go over the stuff and review it. So I'd like to thank you as being partially, if not fully responsible for the works I have out now. Well, you you are kind to say, but, you
0: know, listen, you are, you were already a writer. You were all, you already had the tools. I just, you know, I just blew in and just like, okay, you know i was like the wind a little bit and uh but you it was really really you just you just you had you had all the good stuff so and so now i understand this is going to be a series of books like this is i mean you've already tempted us with the the next iteration of this the the um uh, the the next body of work that is connected to this yeah zane's
1: zane's chilling is next and talk
0: to me about that
1: what is that about You'll find, what, as I was writing Strong Beginnings, uh, what I found was that I kept, was pulling towards another genre actually, that uh, you know, a lot of what I wanted to write was not just historical fiction, but also maybe a little bit of sci-fi and fantasy.
0: Oh, and Zane's that's a chilling, big deal right now
1: too. Like that's a huge deal. Yeah. Zane's chilling goes into a little bit more of that realm And while it has some crossover characters from Strong Beginnings, uh, I'm really still unsure in my mind as to which one people should read first. Um, Because you can read either one first and not be lost. Although if you read, uh, if you've read Strong Beginnings first, you know, all of a sudden you'll recognize, hey, I know that character or hey, I know that character. And then find out that their character is more to them than you originally thought. And uh, there's some characters in strong beginnings, like say uh, Mercer is a character that um, let me just say that Mercer turns out to be somebody that's that's famous, and uh, Mercer is their middle name. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I think I know this. <laughs> <laughs> you might, and uh, you know the book's not coming out until 2024. Um, so, you know, the good news, it's already written, and I was going through uh, some of my uh, notes when I was talking to my friend Roger about some some material I shared with him a few years ago, and uh, I looked back and I saw I had the first 12,000 words written of the third in the trilogy. So, uh, is it okay to cuss on this show? No, you can't. It's a family show. Okay. Lily <laughs> <one second. laughs> Jackson once said on her live album that, you know all the stuff I got coming out. <laughs> 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 um, so the next uh, book of essays is going to come out before Black History Month. It's all going to be, uh, so next month is going to be an essay uh, a collection about black, all the Black history you want to read about in Florida textbooks. Mm. And it's going to be probably about 35 essays because I'm going to leave out all the pictures this time. I found out that, you know, the printing costs with all the pictures I had in the, in the, in the Stranger Americans drove up the cost of the book. So I'm trying to lower the cost of the book. So I'm going to eliminate a lot of the pictures, oh, okay. um, but okay. that's going to be ready. And it's going to be what I'm hoping would be something people can sit on their table and, you know, it'll cause some uh, discussions. Uh, cause I think uh, one of the things in this book is, did you think Thomas Jefferson was stupid? Uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, is credited for ending the international slave trade, which he, he did in 1807. Uh, but what he the reason he did it was to increase the price of domestic-bred slaves, the ones that are being forced-bred and raped, and to eliminate competition. So there was no path towards finally eliminating slavery on his mind. It was simply to increase the value of the ones he had because uh, Virginia and Maryland and Delaware had excess uh, enslaved people because they had ruined the land by not rotating crops and doing some other stuff. So all the tobacco they, they were growing uh, wasn't as profitable and they had people they couldn't use it. They were in need further South, you know, for indigo and rice and, and cotton growing. So uh, Thomas Jefferson gets credit for being a benevolent slave owner where in the uh, nailery that was on his his land they were whipping the teen boys to increase productivity. And there was a historian called Edwin Betts that found a letter describing it and he covered it up because it didn't meet the narrative. So, mm-hmm. uh, and Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to George Washington uh, saying that you can increase the your profits by four to 10% by putting your money into enslaved people uh, and having the women have a baby at least every two years. Um, so this is the Thomas Jefferson that I know, and he wasn't stupid. He was—he was a bright man. And as you'll find out in, if we ever get to Buckingham, uh, Buckingham uh, Jefferson, which is another one of my books that's down the road, that uh, you'll find out that Thomas Jefferson stuttered. You've never heard a Thomas Jefferson speech <laughs> or seen—he stuttered. He had a bad stutter, and had he not had a stutter. He he might have been been a little bit more of a player with white women and not have to deal with a fourteen year old slave girl. So that's the kind of stuff I write Ooh. about. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, they yeah yeah Florida Florida can't handle this. <laughs> <laughs> no nowhere excited. in America can handle this. <laughs> I mean this is this is good conversation though because I think um, I think uh, in lieu of of uh, how we are banning books at the moment and. And trying to uh, white out uh, black people's contributions to this country and to the world—that uh, these conversations are necessary, and uh, maybe some reading groups will spring up out of uh, e- either one of these books, uh, actually, uh, because I think people appreciate. Um, I mean, I think I think it's palatable when you when you can create a book like Strong Comm- Beginnings and talk about history. Um, and wrap a, a story around it, um, as opposed to uh, just giving people like hard, adulterated <laughs> truth.
1: Well, I'm, uh, a book I'm very excited about, Buckingham Randolph Jefferson, I couldn't remember the whole name, uh, is all kinds of history. It involves Thomas Jefferson, it involves Sally Hemings. it involves uh, uh, Nat Turner, um, Denmark Vesey, and there are stories that involve those events and how they affect the actual people. And while the characters in my book don't, don't actually encounter Nat Turner because they're in North Carolina at the time, um, you find that hundreds of miles away that white people were fearful after the Nat Turner uprising and you know every slave anywhere was in danger yeah Um, yeah uh, i was uh actually i first got a glimpse of that watching i think roots 2 uh, when he had a a family there that you know the the owner i think it was chuck connor or somebody almost shot his one of the people that he owned chicken george uh, his son uh, because he was afraid that he was going to revolt against him just because of of what had happened with nat turner you see some of that impact where there a situation is created where lives are at stake because of something happened hundreds of miles away that they weren't involved in mm mm-hmm. mhm mm mhm
0: ain't that still the truth though ain't that still <laughs> <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that still pervasive isn't that still it what happened? still happens? the truth still the truth and that's still the black truth.
1: people for both jewish people and palestinian people you know is it safe for anybody to walk down the street
0: yeah stuff these are these are trying times my friend I yeah. so appreciate you uh, having this time with me. It's so nice to talk to you. We've hadn't had a good conversation in a very long time. So this is very nice. <laughs> it is. It's very nice. I, I'm looking forward to pouring over these books um, and reading them. I I, I actually read your uh, political writings quite often. Uh, and, you know, I pull every now and again, I get a chance to pull some for the inner city. So it's it's nice, it's refreshing, and uh, and I just I just think you're probably one of the the best writers that I've read in a very long time, and I I appreciate your voice on a lot
1: of these matters. Okay, well, thank you very much for having me, and I appreciate I appreciate hearing what you think. As oh, you, I, you, I can't you, wait. else. <laughs> oh, you know, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's getting past inviting now. You just want to tell me. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I might still keep the inviting part. You know, Bill, I invite you <laughs> to consider. <laughs> no, it's good. So thank you so much for your time this morning. It was really good to see you. Kiss thank all you the granddaughters. Make sure you get more presents because you done, you done out at yourself about the favorite. So now you got, you know. <laughs> I, did, I, didn't name, I didn't name her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So now they're all going to claim it. <laughs> it's me. It's me. <laughs> oh that is very smart and very shrewd so and uh, and say hi to carol and uh and we'll talk again
1: my friend okay and she gets credit for the cover of strong beginning i know
0: awesome. I, I i i love this cover it's like this is such a beautiful cover it really is when i saw it i was like "Ooh, i love these very black people so nice job nice job carol <laughs> illustrator very nice so All right, Bill. Thank you so much for your time this morning. It was lovely. All right. Thanks again. All right. We'll we'll talk again. We got more to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, Harry. uh, I'm out. I'll be back tomorrow. Y'all have a good rest of your day. And uh, meet out there in these streets. Bye, Bill. (laughs)